Section 35 of the Memorable Thoughts of Socrates by Xenophon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ian Verley. The Memorable Thoughts of Socrates by Xenophon. Translated by Edward Baishi. Book 4. Chapter 4. Instances of the Inviolable Integrity of Socrates. His Conversation with Hippias Concerning Justice. Concerning justice, it cannot be said that Socrates concealed his opinion of it, for he plainly revealed his sentiments by his actions, as well in public as in private, making it his business to serve every man, and to obey the magistrates and the laws insomuch that as well in the army as in the city his obedience and uprightness rendered him remarkable above all others he fully discovered the integrity of his soul when he presided in the assemblies of the people he would never pass a decree that was contrary to the laws he alone defended the cause of justice against the efforts of the multitude and opposed a violence which no man but himself was able to resist. Again, when the thirty commanded him anything that was unjust, he did not obey them. Thus, when they forbid him to speak to the young men, he regarded not their inhibition, and when they gave orders to him, as well as to some other citizens, to bring before them a certain man, whom they intended to put to death, he alone would do nothing in it, because that order was unjust. In like manner, when he was accused by Meletus, though in such occasions others endeavored to gain their judges by flatteries and ignominious solicitations, which often procure them their pardon, he would not put in practice any of these mean artifices that are repugnant to the laws. And yet he might very easily have got himself acquitted if he could have prevailed with himself to comply in the least with the custom. But he chose rather to die in an exact observance of the laws than to save his life by acting contrary to them. For he utterly abhorred all mean or indirect practices, and this was the answer he gave to several of his friends who advised him to the contrary. Since I am now illustrating the character of Socrates with regard to justice, I will, at the same time, relate a conversation I remember he had with Hippias of Elis on that subject. It was a long while that Hippias had not been at Athens, and being arrived there, he happened to come to a place where Socrates was discoursing with some persons, and telling them that if any one had a mind to learn a trade, there wanted not masters to teach him. Nay that if one would have a horse trained up, there were persons enough to undertake it, but that if one desired to learn to be a good man, or to have his son or any of his family taught to be so, it would be difficult to know to whom to apply himself. Hippias, rallying him, said, What? Socrates, you are still repeating the same things I heard you say so long ago. Nay, more, replied Socrates, 
and always upon the same subject. But you, perhaps being learned as you are, do not always say the same thing upon the same subject. Indeed, said Hippias, I always endeavor to say something new. Is it possible? replied Socrates. Pray, tell me if you were asked how many letters there are in my name, and which they are. Would you answer sometimes in one manner, and sometimes in another? Or, if you were asked whether twice five be not ten, would you not always say the same thing? In subjects like those, said Hippias, I should be obliged to say the same thing as well as you. But since we are upon the theme of justice, I believe I can now say some things of it, against which neither you nor any man else can make any objection. Good God! cried Socrates. What a mighty boast is here! Upon my word, Hippias, you have made an admirable discovery, and you have reason to value yourself upon it. For, let me tell you, if you can establish one single opinion of justice, the judges will be no longer divided in their sentiments. There will be no more quarrels, no more suits at law, no more seditions among citizens, no more wars between republics. Indeed, it much troubles me to leave you before you have taught me the secret, which you say you have discovered. I give you my word, answered Hippias, that I will tell you nothing of it till you have first declared your own opinion concerning justice. For it is your old way to interrogate others, and then to laugh at them by refuting what they have said. But you never make known your own opinions, that you may not be obliged to give a reason for them. Why do you lay this to my charge? said Socrates, since I am continually showing to all the world what are the things I believe to be just? How do you show it? said Hippias. If I explain it not by my words, answered Socrates, my actions speak it sufficiently. And do you think that actions deserve not rather to be believed than words? Much rather, said Hippias, because many may say one thing and do another. Nay, we see that, in fact, Many who preach up justice to others are very unjust themselves. But this cannot be said of a man whose every action is good, and that never in his life did an unjust thing. Have you known, then, said Socrates, that I have accused any man out of malice, that I have sown dissension among friends, that I have raised seditions in the Republic, in short, that I have committed any other sort of injustice. Not in the least, said he. Well then, added Socrates, do you not take him to be just, who commits no manner of injustice? It is plain now, said Hippias, that you intend to get loose, and that you will not speak your mind freely nor give us an exact definition of justice. 
For all this while you have only shown what just men do not, but not what they do. I should have thought, said Socrates, I had given at once a good definition and a clear instance of justice when I called it an aversion from doing injustice. But since you will not allow it to be so, see whether this will satisfy you. I say, then, that justice is nothing but the observance of the laws. You mean, said Hippias, that to observe the laws is to be just? Yes, answered Socrates. I cannot comprehend your thought, said Hippias. Do you not know, pursued Socrates, what the laws in a state are? The laws, answered Hippias, are what the citizens have ordained by an universal consent. Then, inferred Socrates, he who lives comfortably to those ordinances observes the laws, and he who acts contrary to them is a transgressor of the laws. You say true. Is it not likewise true, continued Socrates, that he who obeys these ordinances does justly, and that he who obeys them not does unjustly? Yes. But, said Socrates, he who acts justly is just, and he who acts unjustly is unjust. Without doubt. Therefore, said Socrates, whosoever observes the laws is just, and whosoever observes them not is unjust. But how can it be imagined, objected Hippias, that the laws are a good thing, and that it is good to obey them, since even they that made them mend alter, and repeal them so often. To this, Socrates answered, When you blame those who obey the laws, because they are subject to be abrogated, you do the same thing as if you laughed at your enemies for keeping themselves in a good posture of defense during the war, because you might tell them that the peace will one day be made and thus you would condemn those who generously expose their lives for the service of their country. Do you know, added he, that Lycurgus could never have rendered the Republic of Sparta more excellent than other states if he had not made it his chief care to incline the citizens most exactly to observe the laws? This, too, is what all good magistrates aim at because a republic that is obedient to the laws is happy in peace and invincible in war. Moreover, you know that concord is a great happiness in a state. It is daily recommended to the people, and it is an established custom all over Greece to make the citizens swear to live in good understanding with one another, and each of them takes an oath to do so. Now I do not believe that this unity is exacted of them, only that they might choose the same company of comedians or of musicians, nor that they might give their approbation to the same poets, or all take delight in the same diversions, but that they may all unanimously obey the laws, 
because that obedience is the security and the happiness of the state. Concord, therefore, is so necessary that without it, good polity and authority cannot subsist in any state, nor good economy and order in any family. In our private capacity, likewise, how advantageous is it to obey the laws? By what means can we more certainly avoid punishments and deserve rewards? What more prudent conduct can we observe always to gain our suits at law and never to be cast? To whom should we with greater confidence trust our estates or our children than to him who makes a conscience of observing the laws? Who can deserve more of his country? Whom can she more safely entrust with public posts? And on whom can she more justly bestow the highest honors than on the good and honest man? Who will discharge himself better of his duty towards his father or his mother, towards his relations or his domestics, towards his friends, his fellow citizens, or his guests? To whom will the enemy rather trust for the observing of a truce or for the performance of a treaty of peace? With whom would we rather choose to make an alliance? To whom will the allies more readily give the command of their armies or the government of their towns? From whom can we rather hope for a grateful return of a kindness than from a man who strictly obeys the laws? And, by consequence, to whom will men be more ready to do good turns than to him of whose gratitude they are certain? With whom will men be better pleased to contract a friendship, and consequently, against whom will men be less inclined to commit acts of hostility than against that person who has everybody for his well-wisher and friend? and few or none for his ill-wishers or enemies. These, Hippias, are the advantages of observing the laws. And now, having shown you that the observance of the laws is the same thing with justice, if you are of another opinion, pray let me know it. Indeed, Socrates, answered Hippias, what you have said of justice agrees exactly with my sentiments of it. Have you never heard, continued Socrates, of certain laws that are not written? You mean the laws, answered Hippias, which are received all over the earth. Do you think, then, added Socrates, that it was all mankind that made them? That is impossible, said Hippias because all men cannot be assembled in the same place, and they speak not all of them the same language. Who, then, do you think gave us these laws? The gods, answered Hippias, for the first command to all men is to adore the gods. And is it not likewise commanded everywhere to honor one's father and mother? Yes, certainly, said Hippias. Socrates went on, and that fathers and mothers should not marry with their own children. Is not that, too, a general command? No, 
answered Hippias. This last law is not a divine law, because I see some persons transgress it. They observe not the others better, said Socrates. But take notice that no man violates with impunity a law established by the gods. There are unavoidable punishments annexed to this crime, but we easily secure ourselves from the rigor of human laws after we have transgressed them, either by keeping ourselves hid or defending ourselves by open force. And what is this punishment? said Hippias, which it is impossible for fathers who marry with their own children to avoid. It is very great, said Socrates, for what can be more afflicting to men who desire to have children than to have very bad ones? And how do you know, pursued Hippias, that they will have bad children? What shall hinder them if they are virtuous themselves? from having children that are so likewise. It is not enough, answered Socrates, that the father and the mother be virtuous. They must, besides, be both of them in the vigor and perfection of their age. Now, do you believe that the seed of persons who are too young or who are already in their declining age is equal to that of persons who are in their full strength? It is not likely that it is, said Hippias. And which is the best? pursued Socrates. Without doubt, said Hippias, that of a man in his strength. It follows then, continued Socrates, that the seed of persons who are not yet come to their full strength, or who are past it, is not good. In all appearance it is not. In those ages, then, we ought not to get children, said Socrates. I think so. Such, therefore, as indulge their lust in such untimely fruition, will have very weakly children. I grant they will. And are not weakly children bad ones? They are, said Hippias. Tell me further, said Socrates. Is it not an universal law to do good to those who have done good to us? Yes, said Hippias, but many offend against this law. And they are punished for it, replied Socrates, seeing their best friends abandon them, and that they are obliged to follow those who have an aversion for them. For are not they the best friends who do kindnesses whenever they are desired? And if he who has received a favor neglect to acknowledge it, or return it ill, does he not incur their hate by his ingratitude? And yet, finding his advantage in preserving their good will, is it not to them that he makes his court with most assiduity? It is evident, said Hippias, that it is the gods who have ordered these things, for when I consider that each law carries with it the punishment of the transgressor, I confess it to be the work of a more excellent legislator than man. And do you think, said Socrates, that the gods make laws that are unjust? On the contrary, answered Hippias, 
It is very difficult for any but the gods to make laws that are just. Therefore, Hippias, said Socrates, according to the gods themselves, to obey the laws is to be just. This is what Socrates said on the subject of justice, and his actions being conformable to his words. He, from day to day, created a greater love of justice in the minds of those who frequented him. End of section 35 Recording by Ian Verley